0: This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by the boys of Bird Campbell PA. Bird Campbell means business. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 115 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Coming to you eh, quicker than we would have liked, but unfortunately, this is, this is the job that we have taken, so here we are. I am your host for this season-ending show, Sam Klein. I am joined, as always, by Donald Wine in Washington, D.C. Donald, good evening.
1: Hey. And Jason Evans. In Atlanta. Good evening. You know, the nice thing is we can say whatever we want on this edition of the podcast because no one is going to listen to it. No one's going to download it. I uh, why if if I was a huge fan of this I am a huge fan of this podcast, but if I was a huge fan of this podcast and loved the podcast and listened to every episode, I'd skip this one. And actually we Why do you want to relive? Have... Why would you want to relive? Why would you want to relive it? Why? We we look at the numbers
0: for the show, and as you might imagine, the, uh, the downloads increase when Duke is doing well, and they decrease when Duke isn't doing well. And as you can tell by the tone of our voices, and of course, because you follow Duke basketball, because you bothered downloading this in the first place, unfortunately, Duke's 2017-2018 season is over. It ended this evening, Sunday night in Omaha against the Kansas Jayhawks the number 1 ranked Kansas Jayhawks in the Midwest region there were a lot of issues with this game um jason's favorite stat to point out the the free throw attempts did not actually come into play tonight the i think the big surprise I mean, field, for the blue field devils goal
2: field goal attempts field, not free
0: throws yeah field goal attempts excuse me the uh, that's what i meant to say i just i'm a little emotional and i also had a couple beers this afternoon but uh the the big stats i think that that did not go in duke's favor this evening uh the rebounding margin which kansas won overwhelmingly um three point percentage which, which was pretty bad for duke all around and foul trouble held wendell carter out for big chunks of both the first and second half uh and ultimately led him to to foul out so uh i guess i'll i'll start with jason give me your thoughts on the end of duke season I, and 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 before you start i should also add that you know, last season was uh, a disappointment, losing in the second round. I-, I think that that Duke team we we knew was flawed, even though they had a lot of talent. Um, injuries kept cropping up for that team. This team, I think, we expected to to go to the Final Four. We said that when we previewed the NCAA tournament. We said it throughout the season, despite various setbacks. So, Jason, why don't you go ahead and start by reflecting on the game tonight, and maybe we'll get to Duke's season as a whole in a little bit.
1: Uh, okay. Um I I am I'm gonna start by congratulating the Kansas Jayhawks, who played a great game. There are many people who say that this was the best game of the tournament. It featured 18 lead changes and 13 ties. Uh Duke, um, Duke and Kansas took turns, you know, throwing haymakers at each other. They both played, I thought, very intense. And Kansas is an outstanding team. That you know, they're a great team, full of guys who played really, really well. And Kansas deserves—they're a Final Four team. They're one of the four best teams in the country. So full credit to Kansas. But this sucks because I really, truly, in my heart, believe that this Duke team was the best team in the country this year. We picked the wrong time to go stone, stone cold from the perimeter. Couldn't just – couldn't hit an outside shot at all. We picked the wrong time to have the bounces go against us the way they did to have a really bad game rebounding. Um, God, the rebounding. When we previewed this game, we talked – owned them on the boards. It was going to be Kansas's great outside shooting against Duke's dominance on the boards. We got out-rebounded by 15. Canada killed us on the offensive boards. So we had 22 defensive rebounds. They had 17 offensive rebounds. So when they missed a shot, they had a 44% chance of grabbing the rebound. Who knew that Silvio or whatever, I can't even pronounce his first name, Machailuk, the guy from Ukraine, who knew that he'd be dominant in the post? With about 10 minutes left in the game, I remember looking at the stats. I could be off by a little bit. But with about 10 minutes left in the game, Mahailuk had out-rebounded Carter, Bagley, Bolden, and DeLaurier combined. That is unbelievable. It's terrifying to think about. That said, there are two things I want to talk about. The first one is... The, uh, I'm just going to say it. The charge call ended the game. The charge call changed the game. It was a terrible call. Wendell Carter was there. I don't think he was – he may have been moving a little tiny bit, but we see charge calls all the time in slow motion and in full motion. Wendell Carter was there. The charge call was a bad, bad call. The referee who made that call, I predict, will not be refereeing anymore in the tournament. I think that when you know he is evaluated to determine whether or not he deserves to ref a game in the Final Four, they will say, nope. You made the most important call of the game. You fouled out uh, the Duke big man who was playing great at the time. And, and I think that terrible call completely changed the game. After Carter fouled out, Kansas outscored us by eight in the final three minutes there, other than Grayson Allen's meaningless three-pointer, you know, uh, with two seconds left. Who cares? They basically outscored us by eight for the meaningful chunk of what was left in the game. So that foul call, oh, just so, so, so awful. But then the other thing I wanted to mention, and we'll come back, you know, you'll come back to me in a little bit and I'll have more things to talk about. But for the moment, the other thing I want to mention is that I really feel sorry for Grayson Allen because uh, he was, I think, a half an inch, maybe even less than a half an inch. I mean, if that if that shot he takes as time is running out in regulation, if that shot is maybe a quarter of an inch, a half an inch at the most, different, it goes in the basket. It tried to go in the basket twice. Um, He's half an inch from being a huge, huge hero. And instead, as we look back on this game, it's, I mean, it's arguably one of Grayson's poorer games of the season, for sure. Uh, I mean, he struggled a lot in this game and and didn't have, I, I really wanted the kid to have Kind of game that would be a fitting into a great 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 Duke career. He comes up short of two thousand points in his career and he comes up a quarter inch or something like that short of sending us to the final four. Um so I feel for him. I feel really sorry for him. and I, it, yeah, and, and and in spite of you know all the
0: all the great memories he's given us, uh, sadly, this will be sort of part of his legacy going forward is that. He had the opportunity to win the game and send Duke to another Final Four at the end of his senior season, and like you said, was was just off the mark
1: on that. Um, I, I, wait, I did I, want to bring – Hold on. Yeah. I, I, just five seconds. I do think it's worth noting that um, uh, we clearly – down the stretch in regulation, it was Grayson Allen's ballgame. A terrible game to that point. And he started taking the ball hard to the basket. And we said, screw it. If we're going to go, we're going to go with this guy. And he got fouled twice and and sunk all th- throws. And and he came within an eyelash of sinking that shot. So we put the game on his shoulders and he came oh so close to getting us there. And he gets full credit. I think he should get full credit for doing that.
0: Absolutely. Let me uh, Let me bring Donald in here. Donald, continue <laughs> continue the thread of, of, of thoughts.
1: I want to point out that Donald has said one word so far. Donald has. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> so
0: I, I, I want to hear more from him. Donald is a smart man. He, he articulates his thoughts well, and he deserves to be heard even today.
2: So the first thing I'm going to say is that was Jason. You said it. That was the game of the tournament. Uh, it, it probably should have been in the final four. It was that kind of atmosphere. It was that kind of. Uh, back and forth it honestly if you want to make that a movie that's rocky too except rocky loses at the end like in my in my mind
0: i want to interrupt that real quick just to finish off the thought on the quality of that game often when duke is in those big games they've lost some of them but over and over again duke wins games like that the 1992 elite eight game right um the the 2001 final four against Maryland where Duke came back from like 20 points down at halftime. Um the 2010 game against Butler in in the national championship. The 2015 game against Wisconsin in the national championship. Duke we are we are blessed in a lot of ways as Duke fans. One of those is that a lot of those games go Duke's way. Obviously some of them don't, but um but just to be able to play in games like that is pretty cool. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, No, with, no, with
2: I, that, I, I agree with that. You know, again, this was a uh, coach case, 15th elite eight, and he's only lost three of them. Like, And, and today was one, uh, you know, I, I think that sort of each team was taking their shots at, at the end of the first half. I felt good about how we played. I, I didn't feel terrible. I didn't feel great, but I felt like we were in there. We, we took their shots. They took our shots and it was, a really good game uh, and, and that continued the second half. It had some drama. It had some, you know, questionable calls uh, the Carter uh, following out on that. I, I, I didn't like that call at all. Uh, I don't have to explain why I think you guys all know, but that sort of game is what the tournament's all about. And it's, you know, very rarely, as you said, very rarely are we on the other end of that. And I think that is, you know, indicative of our success, but it sucks so bad to be the other team. Um, And and here's the thing. If any of you were in DC, uh, Mackey's is our, is our watch party venue. And Mackey's is also the venue for Kansas. So that should tell you, you know, just the screams going from one room to the other, back and forth, back and forth. It was incredible. It was an incredible atmosphere. I think wherever anybody was watching that was the game of the tournament. Now,
0: you know, it's funny, me... Donald, hang on. What I, what I need to interrupt you one more time because we had parallel experiences. The Duke club here in Denver, um, for a while, was at another bar? We recently switched to a, a brand new bar that opened that is, it has the same name as another sports bar in town. that mm-hmm. is a Kansas bar. And it seems like they didn't tell the Kansas fans that they had to stay at the old place. So, our bar today was like half and half Duke fans and Kansas fans, like mm-hmm. all mixed up together. So I hear you.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny because you, in our bar, we've had uh, four games where the two, you know, two of the three we're also a UCLA bar there. Um, and there's only four games where we've played one or the, one of those teams. And today was one of them. So it was kind of interesting to be in that kind of atmosphere for that. But let me get back to the game. Um, look, Grayson Allen's shot goes in 99 times out of a hundred and the way that it just rolled off. It was so deflating because at that moment, he you don't see, really you well. don't
1: see that happen. You, you don't, you know, I mean, like I mean it, if
2: you it, watch it, the, if you watch the view from above the balls in the basket, the balls in the basket and it rolls around. Christ, and then all Christ. of a sudden it's almost like, Christ. it's almost like it was on a string and someone just pulled it and it just kind of fell off the rim. It, it it's so it's one of those things where it was so deflating because you're like that close, that close to going back
1: to the final four. And, 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 and think about this, think about, I mean, like it would have been there, there, there are the great moments in tourney history, you know, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of them and this tournament has seen, you know, guys hit desperation, three pointers for wins and things like that. Um, But, but because of the importance of the moment, you know, final four trip on the line between two of ar- arguably the two best programs in college basketball over the past you know decade or so. You know, certainly in the conversation, um, for the moment it, it was it would have been one of the iconic moments in tournament history. In tournament history, and instead, I, and oh god, it's it's not even it's not even a half an inch. Yeah. God. I, I would even, I
2: would say a half a millimeter Sorry. that's how close it was, but I, I will I go back to it yeah, I will go back to this and then uh, I'll kick it back to you guys. uh we can continue this discussion, but uh I will go back to our three point shooting before this game. uh I mentioned that you know with our inside presence is one thing, but if we can't hit outside jumpers, we won't be able to stretch out their defense, and we won't be able to win this game uh because we would have to we would have trouble you know, when they pack in the defense and they did exactly that. We went seven for 29 from behind the arc. Now here's the thing. We had a lot of open looks and they just didn't fall. Their open looks, they, they fell. They were 13 for 36 and that's a lot of threes and that's a little less than what they, uh, their normal average. But it seemed like every time we were able to try and we, we had a chance to kind of pull away and, and not really pull away, but like put another five or six points on them, they would hit a key three. Uh, and it just it, it was backbreaking when you when you see that, so I think in the end, no one played well, no one played terribly. I think in the end, it was just these were two heavyweights going at it toe to toe, and somebody had to lose, and unfortunately it was us.
1: <laughs> I, we, you know that pause, it's because none of us know what to say.
0: No, yeah. I mean, not,
1: that's, that, I mean, that's where we're at
0: here. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, I, I, I I'll, i I'll, I'll add, um, that the, um, there were, there were some, some bright spots in this game. Um, Trevon Duval had one of his best games in a while, um, specifically, but well,
1: did he, the, but did he hold on a second? Hold on. Cause yeah. I was just going to talk about Duval. Um, yeah. who, uh, when Trevon Duval gets the ball in the lane when he gets the ball going to the basket he's one of the most dangerous players in the country um he's he's really impressive he finished incredibly well today around the bucket he had a number of really nice passes that led to to, to baskets for us but i thought he took uh, he took a couple very ill advised three pointers um he he took 6 three point he shot six three-pointers in this game, and he's not a good outside shooter. Uh, wait, let me let me rephrase that. He's not a good outside shooter.
0: Well, he, he was two for six, and, and his teammates, Grayson Allen and Gary Trent, were two for nine and two for ten, respectively. So I hear you. And, I
1: agree. I, I agree. Allen and, and Trent, you know, the outside shot abandoned them in this game and and last game, but I still don't think – we want Trevon Duval taking that many three-pointers. Six was the most he took in any game all year. And he, there was one he took that was sort of early in the shot clock, and he was guarded, and it was a little rushed. And I was like, oh, you know, like in the last five minutes or so, I was like, oh, that, that was a bad shot. Like, we did not want that shot. I don't mind as much when he takes ones where he's wide open. And then there was another one he took, oh, I want to say with maybe uh, like a minute 15 left or so, Um Bagley got the ball in the post. Actually, it may have been even less than that. It may have been less than a minute. Bagley got the ball in the post. They went and they doubled. They practically tripled Bagley. He kicked it out to Duvall, and Duvall took a three-pointer from the corner. Um, and as soon as it left his hand, we were down three at the time. And I get why he wanted to be the hero there, but as soon as it left his hand, I was like, "That's not, you know, I don't think that's the shot we wanted there." Um, I know
0: that I know that we won't ever know this because he's probably leaving the BA. Um, and we won't get to see him... He, he's 100% like leaving he, for the
1: NBA. Right. Even um, if he's a second-round draft pick, and he, and he might be a second-round draft pick, but he, he's leaving. I maintain that
0: despite his poor free throw, or his, his poor three-point shooting throughout the season, if you were watching the games and couldn't see it, whether or not the ball was going in the basket, if you could just see the flow of the games and the way that he was shooting, you would not think that he was a bad shooter. I think we've had... We've had guys come in before who were bad shooters, and they look like bad shooters. Um, Trevon Duval never struck me as that, and I, and I think I mentioned that a few times throughout the season. And going forward, I think it'll be interesting. Well, well, I should I should follow that last thought up. That if if he is as bad of a shooter as he displayed in his percentages this year, if that's if that's sort of what his true talent is, then I'm surprised that he continued to take. Three, four, five three point attempts a game that, that Coach K just didn't shut that down, that they didn't retool the offense for it. Because I think that he, you know, he, he's got to be smart enough to recognize that he's not making them. The other guys on a team recognize that he's not making them. And certainly the coaching staff knows. So part of me is disappointed that, oh my gosh, why is he still taking these shots? Another part of me thinks he's got it in him. And then what I was going to say is going forward, He's gonna. I think he's gonna play in the NBA for a long time because he's very talented. He's very skilled with the ball. I think he's gonna be able to cut down on the turnovers. He's a pretty good defender. He's he's really long. Uh, he moves laterally laterally really well. The, what I wonder is is he going to turn into Rajon Rondo, who everyone thinks is like so mercurial because he can't hit shots and all he all he can do is drive and 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 kick out, um, and and that's where that's where his strengths lie. Or is he going to turn into? More like Kyrie Irving, where he can drive, but he can also shoot. Um, and and I think that I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, he's going to be more like Rajon.
1: He's going to be a lot more like Rajon Rondo. Believe See, me, I, a lot more. I, he, he, he's not going to become a great. I mean, I'll be surprised if he becomes a good three point shooter in the NBA.
0: Is that? But is that because of the results or because of the process? Because I think the process is good. I think his shot looks good. I think he often takes them in rhythm and. Mm-hmm. It it won't like there are things I think you can't correct. Um that, that that the professional coaches and and systems can't correct. I think that all of his shooting problems are correctable. Now, I could be wrong about that, and hopefully this podcast exists for 15 more years and, and we can talk about it. But I don't know at this point if he's actually a bad shooter or if he had a bad season. Luke Kennard had a bad freshman season as a shooter, and then his sophomore year, he was great. Um Okay, now I don't know if if Trevon Duval, I don't know if Trevon Duval is Luke Kennard, but I don't know.
1: I I, want to point out I want to point out that we're talking about a guy who hit 28% of his three pointers in the season, 28% of his three pointers on the season, and 59% of his free throws. The single greatest correlation between college and 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 the pros in terms of being able to become a good three-point shooter in the pros is free throw shooting and trevon duval was one of the poorest you know guard you know perimeter player free throw shooters in the country hit less than 60 percent of his free throws look i i I don't want this is not i'm not here to turn this into a no and i i i i agree with you and i know that that I know about that. Free he's not indicator. going to become a good yeah. three-point shooter. He's not. No, remember, that's, that's why he's going to be drafted late in the first round or early in this or early mid-second round. I, I don't think anyone's taking a first-round pick on him. Actually, I think he's going to be a second-rounder because teams will know that that he's going to be limited in his ability to shoot.
2: I, I, I I'd like to give them benefit of the doubt only for this reason: we've seen a lot of players be terrible either from the line or from behind the arc in college, and they improve steadily. In the NBA to a, a pretty decent shooter. Why is that so? Because once you get signed checks to only shoot a basketball, he is going to have all the time in the world to improve his shot. uh You know, it's not like college where you have to go to classes and, and have all these meetings or whatever. It is going to be where he will get paid to take a million jumpers between the time he gets drafted and the time he steps foot on the court in the NBA. I think he's going to improve on that. And I think that with that practice, and, and here's the thing, it's not like he has a, a hitch in his shot where they have to work out, you know, some fundamental or, or tweak his shot or anything like that. There's not Markel Fultz where they have to rebuild it uh, and, and you know, have all these things about why he's not playing well or playing at all. He is he has a good shot. He has a good fundamental shot. It's just now about gaining the confidence and getting enough shots up there to be confident and getting them in. That's obviously something that time will tell, but I think he has the tools to improve his shot. And now if he goes to the NBA and he gets drafted, he will have the time and the investment to to do so.
0: I don't want to beleaguer this point because I think we're going to talk about all of these guys, NBA draft prospects more as as the months go on and they declare and, and start going through workouts and things. So just to leave it, leave it there for a little bit, um, we'll, we'll pick back up on that topic at some point later. Were there... Were there any other thoughts you guys had about this game, um, or should we should we get a little bit more into like looking at the season as a whole? Because I think on the one hand, it's hard for us to to think about the season, you know, in the greater scheme right after it ends and right after we're all while we're all emotional about it. Um, but I think there is some value in it, and and I would like to hear sort of your reactions to it knowing that that it did just end and and that we can think critically about it now so donald the the open question to you is yeah hold
1: on hold on can can i just want to wrap up a game thing really quick about this game yeah i i I apologize but um uh, you know i started out by saying full props to kansas i'm i'm gonna extend that to something even more which is full props to bill self because Uh, and I don't say these words very often, Coach K was outcoached in this game. I really, really think that's true. Um, Kansas executed against our zone way better than we executed against their man-to-man. Kansas had 20 assists on 30 made baskets. They moved the ball around beautifully, and they got the shots they wanted. Um, And Duke failed to recover on... On on those passes,
0: because Kansas was passing around the perimeter, which is what you want to see in the zone defense. They weren't necessarily getting it inside a lot, you know, relative to how some other teams did. I like UNC executed the the textbook beat the zone offense, I thought, better than Kansas did when we played them. But Kansas somehow managed to pass the ball around enough and they passed it around quick enough and they had enough guys that were scoring threats that. Duke was often collapsing onto say um, say Malik Newman and all of a sudden Devonte Graham has the ball and he's at the other end of the court and he's making the shot. So that was yeah. what was impressive about it. Even though they don't have a big man who's, who's able to to break the zone by standing at the, at the free throw line. And even though they, they weren't driving the ball aggressively because that's not really what they do. And that's what we talked about in the preview, but they certainly executed just by moving it the way that they like to move it and got so many open shots. I'm actually surprised that relative to the number of open shots that they took that they weren't able to be even more successful against us. But I think you were you, you were finishing a thought when I cut you off.
1: No, 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 that's okay. I, and, and I wanted to extend it to the other end of the floor as well. Fen Kansas did an incredible job of containing – Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter. Now Carter picked up the fouls and the such. So that impacted things for him. But um, gentlemen, without looking at the box score, if I told you before the game that Marvin Bagley would take half as many shots as Gary Trent, and he would take less shots, significantly less shots than Grayson Allen and Trevon Duval, that Marvin Bagley, despite playing 44 minutes, would have the fewest shots per minute of anyone on the Duke team. If I told you that, you would be utterly shocked. Kansas did an incredible job of forcing Bagley. They threw double teams at him every single time. They forced him to be uncomfortable. They forced him to take shots he didn't want. They forced him to make passes he didn't want. I mean, this is a guy, he took nine, he only had nine field goal attempts. So he had four offensive rebounds. And every time he got an offensive rebound, you know, he was going up and taking and, and putting it up. So the number of shots he got in our regular offense was just way, way, way less than usual. And again, it's unbelievable to think about, but Marvin Bagley actually shot the ball less per minute than Marquise Bolden did. Can you believe that? It's it's almost, it's unfathomable.
0: And even as good as, you know, we we talk about different ways that Duke, um, like the different defenses that Duke faces that are trying to stop this juggernaut offense. I don't think anybody did it as well all season as Kansas did. Um, Nobody, like, it's one thing to contain Bagley, right? What you were saying is that Bagley took those few shots, but... Duke has so many other weapons that you would think, well, Bagley's not taking any shots. Duke's just gonna make more shots from the perimeter, or they're gonna be able to like maybe Bagley's getting doubled when he's farther from the post. So Allen or or Duval is gonna be able to drive on him. Um, or Bagley's getting doubled. That means that Carter or Bolden or or somebody else down low is going to have more opportunities to get the ball quickly from Bagley and and make a quick dunk. None of those things happen reliably. And Kansas was not the best defense we we played this year based on like the efficiency metrics, but they were the best defense in terms of executing. And And I think you're right, Jason, that a lot of the credit for Kansas's victory today is not on Duke losing the game as much as it was. A lot of it was Kansas winning and Bill Self um, doing an outstanding job coaching and the Kansas players executing a smart defensive game plan really well. And you can see some of that coaching in all the out-of-bounds plays, like there was an out-of-bounds play where they inbounded it um, sort of in the corner on in, on their offensive end, and Javin Delorier was the only one in the corner who was there to defend, and he got quickly um, hit with a screen by the guy who received the inbound ball, who gave the ball right back to the inbounder, who then hit a corner three, and it was like a textbook Duke play. That's a play that, that John Shire ran a hundred times when he was when he was playing at Duke, where he would inbound the ball the guy, quickly, the get it right back, that.
1: and hit a quick three. Mm-hmm. The guy who hit that shot was Dante Graham, who may win Player of the Year. I mean, like, it's right? Sort of like, it's, how not like, it's not like it's not like that
0: was right. It wasn't. It wasn't like that was some random player. So why why was why was Duke not able to defend simple plays like that? I, I think you hit on it. I think some of that is on the coaching, and Bill Self figured out a lot of different ways to attack the zone in sort of non-traditional ways that I think that a lot of other teams with coaches who aren't as creative weren't able to figure out. Donald, I wanted to throw it to you. Um, or actually, sorry,
1: Jason, let me let you so finish I, up
0: and then, and then I'll let Donald close on the Kansas game.
1: So I got one more Bagley thing I want to mention to you guys. Like I said, um, he, was, he only took nine field goal attempts. He was five of nine from the field. Um, if I told you gentlemen that nine field goal attempts the only times this season that Marvin Bagley took fewer than nine field goal attempts was the game against Michigan State when he got injured, and he only played ten minutes, and the game against Evansville when we we blew them out by sixty plus points. Um, he only took eight field goal attempts in that game, but he only played twenty five minutes. So in a game where Marvin Bagley played forty four minutes, he had his lowest field goal attempt, you know, sort of tied. With a few other games, but one of his lowest field goal attempts of the entire season. And I want to add, it was a game where he was being guarded, the virtually the entire game, by a guard. He was being guarded by Mikhailuk, who who is one tenth the athlete that Marvin Bagley is, and and doesn't have the size. You know, he probably weighs forty pounds less than Bagley. He's six eight. Bagley's six eleven. Um, and And I'll bring it back again. Uh, Bill Self did an incredible job of taking Marvin Bagley out of this game because he was the best player on the floor and the best player on the floor didn't win the game for Duke. So Donald, I think it, why don't you
0: wrap us up here for Kansas?
1: yeah, I, I think in the end,
2: really, i I don't think it came down. To, there was a lot of adjustments that were made uh, on both sides. I think it came down to execution because at the end of the day, like I said, this game was a heavyweight fight and both teams took their shots. And at the end, you know, Kansas executed. I'll, I will leave you with this stat. You know, Duke and Kansas both made 30 uh, field goals. You know, Duke had one more field goal attempt, but that was, that's virtually a wash. Free throws, virtually a wash. Where they killed us and it really wasn't the, when they made them, or how they made them, but when they made them, it was their three-point attempts. They made 13 and we made seven that's six more points than we had that, you know, we, we lost by four. There's your ball game right there. And I think at the end of the day, they were able to execute on those three pointers. It's, it's a strength that we we have said, uh, you know, about this team. I, I think before the game, we were talking, we were chatting online and, and, and Jason, you mentioned that Kansas was the number one rated offense against the zone and I think these adjustments that they made with, you know, passing the ball around and and skip passes and stuff like that, that seems to be something that they knew that they had to do. Um, It it didn't seem like something that was uh, really adjusted on the fly. They were basically looking for the open man and they were finding him. So I think at the end of the day, execution down the stretch is what uh, was the difference. And, you know, that was an experienced team that we played. We played four freshmen who probably have never been in that situation before. Uh, or or anything like that, because there's nothing like the Elite Eight. There's nothing like a chance to get to the Final Four. So uh, I, I will give all credit to Kansas. They did a great job. Uh, but where they where they beat us was they executed, and and at times we didn't. And that in these games, I said before, it's a game of inches, and it literally was less than an inch that cost us.
0: All right. Let's uh, go to the topic that I tried to introduce earlier, and then we had to pile on a little more, unfortunately. Duke season as a whole. Donald, your quick impressions that we will probably come back to maybe in a few weeks or months.
2: Yeah, you know, we said before, I think it was a couple podcasts ago, you said, you asked the question mm-hmm. of, you know, would this be a success? What What would be a success to you? And I said reaching the Sweet 16 is a, is a successful season. That hasn't changed. We reached the Elite Eight. I thought this was a very successful year. I thought we we had a great team that had the tools to win it all. And we just came up short. And you know, we have had a lot of these games or a lot of these seasons where we've had really, really good teams that have fallen short. And it, it doesn't take away this game does not take away from the season's success. We had what I think is probably the greatest, you know, freshman uh year ever by Marvin Bagley. We had, you know, Gary Trent, like really, really stormed, stormed on, especially from behind the arc, you know, Grayson Allen leading this team, uh, and, and sometimes willing them, even when he wasn't, uh, really successful, uh, on the floor, he was, his leadership was there. I, I think we saw a lot of great things. Now, do I wish we would have made the final four? Absolutely. I, you know, we were, th- we were right there. We had it for the taking and, and It didn't, it didn't fall our way, but I think when you look back on the season, you will say, you know, if you really look at it and and not the whole we had all this talent, we should have won a national championship. We have talent every single year, every year we should win a national championship that we didn't doesn't make this doesn't detract from how successful I think the season was. And I think this is one that when you look back at it, we had a lot of great things that we got and it was fun to watch. That's really the most important thing to me these guys were so fun to watch this year. And I I think that that's what I'm going to hang on to, at least at this point.
0: Yeah. I, I think that I, I like a lot of your sentiment, but I wonder if I'm going to think about Bagley and Trent and Carter and Duval, the way that I think about say Tyus Jones or justice Winslow, who maybe even if they hadn't gotten all the way to the championship, just getting to the final four and, for the most part, I think living up to all the expectations, not only individually, but as a team. If I'm going to think of the guys this year like that, or if I'm going to think of them more the way that we remember, say, Brandon Ingram or uh, or Jabari Parker, um, I I feel like I'm leaning towards the latter at this point. And, and again, check back with me in a little while, because Marvin Bagley had a season that we're, we will probably never see again. Um, he mm-hmm. he set all kinds of Duke Freshman records points and rebounds. Um, I think he was second all time in ACC scoring for a freshman. So he was he was all over the place. He was he got so good so quickly that we almost started forgetting about how good he was when we were doing recaps. and and I think we on this show were just as guilty of that as Duke fans in general may have been. And that's, you know, I, I don't think we're entirely. We're we're sort of at fault there, but it's also like he was so good that it was unconscious. At the same time, I said it in the preview that I thought this team needed to get to a final four to feel like they achieved something. And and I at the moment I still feel that way. I think that they were more talented than than anybody else in the country this year. And certainly the only teams that you could argue are more talented than than Duke um, were not the teams that they faced along the way to get. To get to where they ended up, I think the Duke is more talented than Kansas. I think that maybe Villanova and Arizona are, are right there with them. Um, Arizona, of course, had an extremely disappointing season. Villanova's season continues on to the Final Four, but I don't think that I, I don't think that Duke lived up to the expectations this year. And I'm not necessarily one to normally, you know, think that way. To 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 be disappointed by it. I'm usually ready to say, oh, look at how great Marvin Bagley was this year. Look at how great Gary Trent was and Wendell Carter. Like they all they all contributed something well beyond what we expect a freshman, even a really talented freshman, to contribute throughout the season. But I don't think the parts ever really came together. I don't as good as the defense ended up looking at the end of the season, um, for for long stretches, that zone defense was was nearly unstoppable until today. And and yet it never really felt like they, they reached the potential that we knew that they had in games say early in the season against Michigan state. So, so Jason, I want to, I, I want to yeah. send it to you to, to finish up this set of thoughts. And then, and then I want to wrap up the show for this week because I think we're just going to keep talking in circles.
1: <laughs> you're, you're not wrong about that. Uh, you know, I'm of two minds. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Donald, it was, I believe Donald asked the question. He asked us what they needed to do to feel like the season was successful. And Sam, I agree that was, with was That was me. That was me. It was you that, that asked the it. Okay. And, and I yes. think Donald said sweet 16 and you and I both said final four. And I, I, I stick with that. Uh, when, when you, when we, as fans look back on this season, there's going to be no ACC regular season title. There's going to be no ACC comp, uh, tournament title, and there's going to be no final four, no national title. Um, that said, I mean, there were some great, great moments. I mean, the PK eighty, uh, the the victory over Michigan State. That you know, that team that we watched, the zombie Duke team, that that you told us about. God, that was fun. It was unbelievably fun to watch that. The the transformation of this team that happened late in the season when Marvin Bagley got hurt, and they suddenly became a team that played zone. That was incredible to watch. It, it's something we'd never seen before from Coach K. Uh, you guys pointed out that several of the freshmen had had seasons unlike anything that uh, not just Duke, but the ACC has ever seen before. Um, I, you know, uh, you, you, you talked about, you know, will we remember them the way we remember Jabari Parker and Brandon Ingram or the way we remember Tyus Jones and, um, uh, you know, and Justice Winslow and the such. I, I actually think, you know, I think Kyrie Irving may be a good comp for some, for some of these guys, because we we have a fond, I think we have a really fond view of Kyrie Irving because he was so great early on and then, you know, stuff happened, he got hurt, but then he went to the NBA and you feel like he's been a great representative of us in the NBA. He's probably one of the 10 best players in the league right now, even though he's currently hurt. Um, and and, and I, I think that Marvin Bagley is going to be like that. I think we're going to look back on Marvin Bagley's career and go, you know, and Marvin Bagley, I think, is going to at some point be one of the ten best players in the NBA. And we are going to say, "Oh, wow. remember how great he was at Duke. Remember all the thirty he four times. The dude went for thirty and fifteen. I think Wendell Carter has the potential to be. You know, someone who, who's very, very good in the NBA that we look back on in a fond kind of way um, and, and, and we'll recall, he, you know, if it were not for Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter would have had one of the top two or three freshman big man seasons in Duke history. So there's a lot to look back on and feel great about. But at the same time, no ACC regular season title, no ACC postseason title, no Final Four, and they were absolutely good enough to do those things and it just my final thought it sucks that a quarter of an inch of a grayson allen shot is the difference between what these guys legacies might be
0: i I, i'll tack on to that and then i want to move to our sort of closing thoughts that we we as duke fans sometimes on this show and then certainly on the internet talk about that 1999 duke team and how talented they were and how they were just so much better than everybody else and what a shame it was that Elton Brand and Corey McGetty and all those guys didn't win a national championship. I wouldn't be surprised if down the road, once all these guys have had their NBA careers and once we really know who they're going to become as players, I wouldn't be surprised if we look back on 2018 in not exactly the same way because they weren't so dominant in the regular season as 1999 was because 1999 went undefeated in conference play and they only lost one game through the entire regular season. This team of course lost a handful of games. I wouldn't be surprised if, if we look back on this team similar to that 99 team and just look at the collection of talent and think, man, how did that team not hang any banners in camera?
1: Dude, we'll
0: see. No, hold on. What?
1: 1999, eight worlds. The 1999 team took souls this I team, think this team could I, have done that. I, I, I agree. So that's the scary thing. That. I agree. This team could have done that, but they never really did. The 99 team. True. The games were over like yeah. five, definitely, ten minutes into the game. And definitely really rained a lot here. of that this year.
0: And, and, and I'll and I'll even say that I remember when we had Shane Battier on the show a few years ago and he talked about remember he, he was telling us about how Coach K would get riled up at them when they would only win games by five or ten points. And and I went to and he, the way he put it was like, Oh, we had lost a game or two. And I tried to go back and look through all of the the schedules from his four years. And I was like, Shane, you, what you just described, like the outcome, you, the losing multiple games in a row, like this never happened to you. And he said, Oh, well, maybe it was just because we didn't win by 20. You know, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went. Go back and, and re listen to old episodes of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. But, um, Yeah, I agree. Like I said, it's not going to be exactly that way because this team never reached that level. But, um, but there's something about it where it's just like, I know that there was more in this team than we saw and it's a shame, but Hey, next year is a new year. We'll, we'll see more great players at Duke. Um, think things will hopefully continue for this program and, and continue to be elite. But for now, um, the 2018 season is over. I do want to get, um, final parting shots or players of the week picks from you guys. So um, for, the, for the last time this season, Donald, I want your player of the game for the Elite Eight loss versus Kansas.
2: Um, my player of the game is going to be Marquise Bolden because I thought when he was in the game, he really made an impact. And I know he didn't play that much. I know he didn't put up many stats. But there were times where he really, especially on defense, really was there in the clutch, especially when uh, Wendell Carter went out. So a lot of guys had had decent games stat-wise, but I think Marquise Bolden was a guy that I, I wish had played a little bit more today because I thought he was uh, stellar at times. So I will give it to him.
0: All right. Uh, Jason, your final player of the game for the season.
1: It's really difficult for me. I mean, Wendell Carter fouled out. Marvin Bagley only took nine shots, and I thought he did a terrible job of dealing with the double team, and he... Got pretty much out rebounded by a guard who guarded him. Um, Trevon Duval had a had a great game in terms of taking the ball to the basket, but made some really really poor decisions um, in terms of turnovers and some bad shots he took. Gary Trent uh, just missed a lot 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 of shots. So did Grayson Allen. But I'm going to take Grayson Allen as my player of the game because Grayson Allen was a eyelash from being a huge 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 mega hero. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I don't care about the other stuff. He came, he came really, really close and he had a great, great career. And so the last time I have a chance to pick him as player of the game, I'm picking Grayson as player of the game.
0: I'm going to disagree with you and and take Trey Duval for not for having maybe the, the best game in the absolute sense against the other guys. Like you said, everybody kind of had their ups and downs in this game, but I think we saw if this was if this was a game where Grayson Allen makes that shot and we're going to the final four, I, I would look at Duval's game today and say, look at all the progress he made. Um, and man, I can't wait to see him just clean it up a little bit more next weekend in the final four and and lead this team to victory. Um, we're not going to see that, of course, but um, but I think there were a lot of great things we saw from duval today and hopefully he builds on that stuff as he as he goes into the draft and and continues with his career so those are those are the final player of the game picks and I'll close with parting shots Jason I know you've got one for us so why don't you uh, why don't you hit us with a parting shot um, for uh for today
1: I have an incredibly appropriate parting shot I'm gonna urge folks I'll, I'll put a uh, I'll put the a link to this um, in both in the description of, uh, of the podcast, um, uh, so that folks can follow this link and also I'll put it on the boards. Um, folks, you should go, there's a segment that sports center ran this morning that you should go watch. Um, it, it, the segment is on and, and this is, there's a Duke connection to all this and, and it's also, uh, appropriate cause it's a, a, it's a, both a sad and a hopeful story, which I think is, um, Sort of the the story of Duke's season to some extent. Um, Andrew Smith was a seven foot center for the uh, Butler Bulldogs from two thousand ten to two thousand and thirteen. Um, he didn't play a lot in two thousand ten when we faced them in the uh, in the championship game, but he was a three year starter after that. He was a freshman in two thousand ten. He was a free year start, three year starter after that. An academic All American had more than eleven hundred points, more than seven hundred rebounds in his career. Really good player for Butler. Was a starter on their team that made the final four. In 2011, um, after he, uh, literally uh, a week after he graduated from college, um, he married his, uh, his longtime girlfriend, the two of them moved to Europe where he was playing professional basketball. Um, uh, and, uh, then Andrew Smith, uh, got leukemia and, uh, he died at the age of 25. Um, and as one of his final wishes, he formed a, uh, you know, a foundation was formed called Project 44. Andrew Smith was number 44 for Butler. And Project 44 is aimed at finding bone marrow matches, people who, you know, register their bone marrow so that they can match someone and fight leukemia. And at Andrew Smith's funeral, everyone there was asked to sign up to be part of Project 44 and, and see if they could be a bone marrow match for someone. Um, and just a, a short time ago, uh, Chase Stiegall, who you may remember, who was also a player for Butler, he was a guard on that team. Um, he, he played more than Andrew Smith did against us. Chase Stegall ended up being a match for a four-year-old kid from Ohio named Deegan Scott. And they did the bone marrow transplant, and Deegan Scott is going to live. He's going to see his fifth, sixth, and seventh birthday and beyond because of – Project Forty Four, and because of what Andrew Smith wanted to have happen, they call it they call it Project Forty Four. By the way, both for Andrew's number at Butler, and also because their goal is to save forty four lives. And thanks to Chase Stegall, they have saved one, and they have forty three yet to go. It's an incredibly moving piece that was on Sports Center, and uh, folks, just go watch it. And uh, if you're so inclined, maybe you'll be moved to try and save a life yourself. That was a great story, Jason. Thanks for
2: thanks for sharing it with us. Uh Donald, your parting shot. Uh I just want to give kudos to the Duke women's basketball team. Uh they took on Yukon in the sweet sixteen yesterday and they only lost by thirteen, uh, which is a remarkable stat because UConn is a juggernaut right now. But uh it was one of those games where they, they started out and they were hanging with them and then they hit, you know, UConn had one of their stretches where they pulled away and never looked back, but it do kept fighting. They kept getting back uh, and they, they eventually lost, but they, they made it a, a, probably a, a game that Gino Ariema would probably uh, was probably yelling at his team after the game because they, they fought them quite tough. So uh, congratulations on a good season to the Duke women. Uh, it now sucks that both of our teams are out, but uh, just wanted to give them a kudos on a wonderful season.
0: And I will finish this show by thanking our listeners once again this has now been four seasons that we've done this program pretty much every week during basketball season and and regularly but not all the time in the off season we are continuing to do it and not that we couldn't do it without you because I think we when we started it we didn't know that anybody was going to listen um, but it certainly helps that we know that there are folks out there who listen to the show who email us who um, who get excited about about downloading and 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 interacting with us via via that email address or or on the forums or on Twitter wherever it may be. So um, my thanks to Donald and to Jason um, for for being along for this ride with me. Um, and my thanks, of course, to all the listeners who uh, continue to download, who subscribe, who leave us ratings, all that stuff. It, it means a lot to us. It, it's it, obviously it never stops. The the season is over now, but we'll we'll be back again soon to talk about draft time. And we'll be talking about the team for next year. And I know there's still some recruiting to go. So, um, Hey, the, by
1: the way, the, by the way, I'm, I'm going to be yeah. seeing the McDonald's all American practices and I'll be talking to the Duke recruits at the McDonald's all American game next week. Um, and yeah, we'll so get those it, interviews out for folks. So yeah, we're, it, we're going to, the never coverage ends. never ends. Yeah. <laughs> it never
0: ends, but, but it's always a good time at the end of the season to say thank you again, um, to you guys for, for being with me and to all the folks who listen um, we really appreciate it. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep the show um, going as it is, it, and hopefully, we continue to make it better. So, once again, as always, um, email us if you've if you've got any got anything to say, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Rate us. Give us five star reviews. All that's all the good stuff. That you hear from all your favorite podcasts, so hopefully we're at the top of that list. Um, And we'll we'll continue talking about Duke basketball and maybe a little Duke football and maybe some other stuff uh, as long as you are willing to listen. So for the last time for the 2017-2018 basketball season, although not for the last time ever, thank you for tuning in to episode 115 of the Duke Basketball Report for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine. I'm Sam Klein. We'll talk to you again soon. Duke Band, take us home.